Well, as we study the Bible, we realize that there are a lot of views, various views concerning the chapters, the first chapters of the book of Genesis. We call these the creation story. And as we look at the Word of God, that's what we see. We see creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the question that sometimes comes up as we look in Genesis chapter 1, that were these days, were these like a regular day or were they millions of years? And and some people say, well, is, it, is this like evolution that God as a progressive uh, creationist or a theistic evolutionist might say, you know, God created it and then he just lets it go and then every now and then he comes in there and does this. That is, is it an evolution thing or was it, was it actually six literal days? And how do we fit together the first two chapters? And when, when Moses wrote this, when God gave the revelation to Moses and he was written down in what we call the Torah, the first five books, when a Jewish person would read this, when they read this, what did they expect? Did they think, oh, this is, this is long, long periods of time or did they think six days and so as we continue this evening looking in Genesis chapter 1 we'll see the six days of creation we'll see God speaking and bringing it about we'll see the world and the universe as we know it well this evening I think we want to focus on the issues of days the days of creation literal days or long periods of time that's just one thing we'll think about let me review for you if you remember in Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth that's what we saw it's pretty powerful the if you notice also I think the next is there another verse yeah in six days God created the heavens and earth and all this and I think it's a thing just to think about we talked about it last week that in the Jewish mindset or in the Bible or in what we read in the Bible that it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and we see this and as you read Genesis chapter 1 you see he did it in six days you go to Genesis chapter excuse me Exodus chapter 11 when God was teaching his people the truth and here's what he said to them he said you will work six days and rest on the what the seventh. Do you think they think he meant work six long periods of time or six literal days? Well, he says, you shall work six days and rest on the seventh, for in six days God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. Exodus 20, verse 11. Do you think that they thought it meant, well, we're supposed to work six days and rest on the seventh, but God in these long, long, long periods of time did that. That's the pattern? No. If you remember, the earth was formless, verse 2, the earth was formless and void, darkness was over the surface of the deep, the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. We talked about the idea of between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, some people hold to a gap theory that there was this, there's a, like a creation and then something terrible happened and there was this world that was there of pre-mortal, pre, uh, pre-Adamic race and all these kind of things and then, and then God kind of got rid of that and started over in verse 2 and there's a recreation. That doesn't really fit the language and it doesn't fit the pattern. So the best thing that we see is in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth as the summary statement. Beginning at verse 2, he describes how it was when he formed it. And then beginning at verse 3 in those six successive days, he talks about how he took this creation and how he formed it and did what he did. So it's very powerful. As we stated last time, the, the first day, and we saw that, that it, it, you know, God said, let there be light. That was really the, the key thing. And, and, and it said in the evening and the morning were one day. That's verse 5. Notice what it says. And, and he separated the light from the darkness. And he said, God called the light day, the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day and we'll see the same thing in verse 8 the evening and morning were a second day and down in verse 13 and the evening and morning were a day a third day and we briefly touched on this last time and so are these literal days what are they literal days or long periods of time how does all of this fit together well notice verse 5 he said god called the light day and he called the darkness night and there was evening and there was morning one day so when we come to this and we think about the question, as the day used in Genesis 1, is it 
uh, and I think this is the next one. Were they literal days, 24 hours, like a day, like we see as a day, or were they long periods of time? And there are a lot of people who want to say, I think it's the day-age theory. That's why they call it, long periods of time, or were they literal things? For many, there are those who want to explain the apparent old age of the earth by having the days of creation be very, very long periods of time and not six literal days. Well, that raises the question, literal day or time periods. Four things I want you to think about. We're going to look at, first of all, at the meaning of the word day. That's the word yom in Hebrew. Second, we want to see the significance of the aspect of him saying first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. The third thing we want to look at is the statement evening and morning. And then the last thing, we'll look at the context of Genesis chapter 1. So let's start first with the meaning of the word yom, the meaning of the word day. Well, just like English, if I said day, you could say, okay, it happened today or this day. We would say, you mean this time period? Yes. If I said it's the first day of the week, you think of a literal day. If I said, boy, it's daylight or it's day, when did you see him? I saw him during the day and I didn't see him that night. You'd think, okay, he meant like the light period of the day. If I said... In my father's day, they didn't have computers. We would know, okay, you meant a period of time. So that's how we use the word day. We can mean a day like first day of the week, or it took us two days to get there. Or we could say it was daylight. Or we could say in my father's day. Now, the word yom is used over 2,000 times in the Old Testament. Over 1,900 of those usages, 95% of the time, It means a 24-hour time period or daylight. A hundred times, a hundred times it's used, it's used to describe the day of the Lord. It'll say, and the day of the Lord, that's what it's used. Day of the Lord is not one particular day. Day of the Lord begins with the rapture of the church and goes through the thousand-year reign of Christ. The Bible refers to that as the day of the Lord. It's a time period. So we can see that 95% of the time when you see the word day in the Old Testament, it means a literal day 100 times, about, about round period, round, round figures, 100, 100 times, uh, it means the day of the Lord. It's a time period. Okay? Second, the significance of the aspect of the first and second day. Whenever the word yom use a cardinal or numeral adjective, like first day, second day, third day, or two days, three days, one day, every time that's ever used, every time, it means a literal day. When it's found in the Hebrew Bible, when it is found in Hebrew writing, in fact, every study, everything I've done, we can find no place that the word yom with a cardinal or numeral adjective means anything other than a literal day. That's the way it was in Hebrew. So in every usage in the Bible, and in every usage outside the Scripture in normal Hebrew, if you said one day, it meant one day. If you said two days, if you meant the first day, the second day, the third day, ever how you said it, it always referring to a literal day, not a long period of time. Third, the statement evening and morning. If you notice at the end, it says, and the evening and the morning were day one or day two or the first day or the second day. The Jewish people divide a literal day into two parts, the night and the day, the evening and the morning. And that's how they do their time period. If you're, if you were Jewish tonight, right now, starting after six o'clock, basically when it gets darker, this is actually Monday night Jewish calendar. Because the evening and the morning come first. The evening comes first, so starting at six o'clock tonight, right now, this is Monday night. Tomorrow, during the day, is Monday day. That's how they do it. They got it from God, evening and morning, day one. They did it that way. 
And so for a Jewish person, if you said it was evening and morning, they would think a literal day. So just in summary, 95% of the usages of the word yom in the Hebrew Bible is referring to either a particular day or daylight. Whenever it's got a a number with it or a, a first or second or one or two, it's always a literal day. Every Jewish person's mind that if you said evening and morning were a day, they realized it was a literal day. So when you look at Genesis 1, and he says the evening and the morning were day 1, the evening and the morning were day 2, the evening and the morning were day 3, every person reading that would assume a literal day. They would not say it must be long periods of time because that's not how they did it. If Moses wanted to have said... Long periods of time he could have. That takes us to the fourth thing here. The context of Genesis chapter 1. And here's the key. I think it's a slide. Okay. If Moses was trying to show periods of time, he could have easily done it. Jewish people reading this would not think periods of time. They would think a day and another day and another day. And another day. Now, if Moses wanted them to think God did this in long periods of time, he could have easily written it that way. Henry Morris states that the Genesis, in his book, The Genesis Record, suppose the author wanted to show six literal days. How would he have done it? Suppose he wanted it to be six days. How would he have done it? He would have done it exactly how he wrote it. That's why we believe it to be six literal days. Suppose he wanted to show long periods of time. How would he have done it? He could have. The normal reading and understanding uh, shows long, understanding not only the word, literal meaning of the words and the usage and the context leads us to believe that it's literal day. So if you said uh, it, it means long periods of time, that's, that's not how it's written. You may say, I'm going to take it as long periods of time. You can take it any way you want to. But... If you read Hebrew, if you read it and how it's written, any Jewish person reading this would never assume long periods of time. They would assume literal days. And that's why, and I don't know if, do we have the Exodus thing, Exodus 20 verse 11, when he said, literal six days rest on the seventh. Why? Because God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. He's given them the pattern. Why would God, let me tell you this, when people say, I don't think God did it in six days, I think it was long periods of time. Here's my question, why, why did God take six days? Couldn't God have said, let there be, and there it was. Why would God take six days? Why would God say, I'm going to do one day and I'm going to do light, and another day I'm going to do this, and another day I'm going to do this, and another day I'm going to put this on there? Why, why would he take six days? Why wouldn't he just go, there it is, Right? Because that's all he has to do. He can do anything he wants to. Why would God do six and rest on the seventh? Because when you get to chapter two, chapter two begins, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. Now, why did he rest? Because he went, you know, it takes a lot out of you doing this, this creation stuff. It's just a lot tougher than you think. It's no, he didn't rest. He's not tired. He's never tired. Why would he take six days and rest on the seventh? It's eight, huh? To be the pattern. That's exactly it. Because it's what he says in Exodus. You shall work six days and rest on the seventh. That's exactly what he did. So it's pretty powerful. So if you take the Bible in a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation, the only consistent interpretation in Genesis chapter 1 are literal days and not long periods of time. 
Now, I'm just telling you, you can study any way you want to. You can do whatever you want to. You can take it any way you want to. But if you read it how it is written, it's six days. And a lot of people want to do all kinds of things with it, but if you know the language, it's going to have to be six days. There's no other way. If you brought a Jewish person in there and said, can you read Hebrew? And they went, yeah. Can you read this part right here? Yeah. What does that say to you? He'd say six days. Now, he might not believe it either. he may say, I don't believe that, but that's what it says. See, because a lot of people say, I know what it says, but I don't believe that. That's what it says. Derek Kidner says, the author is speaking literally six days are meant. Moses meant that the reader would understand these days literally. Many try to take them as long periods of time, but you really can't from the context. You can, just, you can make it say whatever you want it to say, but that's how it fits. We have seen day one, God made the light, separated the light from the darkness. And he says, God saw the light was good, verse 4. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was an evening and a morning of day one. So in this, this day, God did that. And you may say, where did the light come from? Because when is the sun going to come? Day four. So where is the light from? God just made light. God can do anything. You know, I mean, we, some people act like, how could he do that? How could... He can speak anything into being. He can do anything he chooses to do. Well, as we look at the pattern, and we go fairly quickly through some of these other days, there, there's, there's really a pattern. Most of the verses, not all of them, but most of the days have the same thing. There's an introduction, and God said. Then there's a command, let there be. There's a fulfillment, it was so. There's usually an evaluation, it was good. And there was a conclusion, and he says, evening and morning, first day. Evening and morning, second day. So as you go through it, now not all of them have every one of these. We'll see them, but most of them have an idea that God said, let there be, it was so, it was good, and the conclusion. And we'll see it as we go through. Now, verses 3 through 5 are the first of the three separations in the beginning. The first of the three separations. There's a separation of the light from the darkness. There's a separation of sky from the water. There's a separation of the land from the sea. We're going to see that as we go through the creation. He says, let there be light. There was darkness and then there was light. God brought the light. That's the separation. And, and remember that the sun doesn't come to the fourth day. So he, he divides it, and it's the evening and morning. Now, underlying, there's the theme in the Bible that we've seen it all the way through. It's really highlighted in the Gospel of John. And that theme is the contrast between light and darkness, between good and evil. And there seems to be the contrast that there's the light, which is the good, in a sense, and there's the darkness, which is the evil. And that's why in the Gospel of John, John writes and says, Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And in John, God is the God of light, and He in Him was the light of men, and He is the light that shines in the darkness, all of those things. Let's look at the second day, okay? The second day. And look, we're going to see the introduction, the command. He says, God speaks, let there be, and we'll continue to see the power of God. Look what he says. Then God said, verse 6, let there be. Now, that's his command. Let there be. And we see his power. He says, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. I remember the first time I ever read this, when I, after I trusted Christ, somebody gave me a Bible. Of course, she started to, you know, you take a book. And I'd never read the Bible in my life, so I started it, the, you know, book one and did pretty good till book two. And then not so good into book three and switched over. I switched on over to the new part. And so, but it's true. And so, uh, you know, you start reading this, and I said, "What does it mean? Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters." Well, what, what's it talking about? Well, the word "expanse" literally is an atmosphere. The word "expanse" means a spreading out of something. 
And what he's going to do is, you remember, he had this, this earth, and there's water everywhere, and what he's going to do is come in, and he's going to separate the waters. He's going to raise some waters up, and he's going to put some waters down, and in between the waters is going to be the atmosphere. And the waters above are end up going to be the cloud covering that covers the earth. And that's what it's going to be. And notice what it says. God said, let there be an expanse. Let there be something in the middle of the waters. Let's separate the waters. Let's separate the waters from the waters. He's making the air. Verse 7. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. There's his fulfillment. That's exactly what he said. The water above ended up, of course, being a cloud cover. Then there's air. There's water below. See, at this time, if you if if you see it, the best we can as he's described it, the best we can understand. If you saw what we'd call the earth, it's completely covered with water. Completely covered with water. So there's water all over everything here. Then there's air, and then there's water above, or the expanse, these clouds, this above the expanse of these clouds, a cloud covering. And, you know, when we study a little bit further and we get on up into chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, and we see that people all live 900 years, 800 years, and we say, are those real years? How can people live that long? And you see that obviously something about this cloud cover, something about the way the atmosphere of the earth, people lived longer because we're going to see that right after the flood because all the water came from above and below and there wasn't that cloud cover. There wasn't that waters above anymore in the same way there was after the flood. And you remember after the flood, the very first generation of people who lived at the flood lived 300 and something years. And then 200 and something. And then 190 something began to get lower all the time. And obviously with the atmosphere, without the covering of the, the canopy as they call it. Henry Morris says, The waters above constituted a vast blanket of water vapor, a vast canopy over the earth. Charles Ryrie says, the water vapor over the earth created a greenhouse effect, accounting possibly for the long lives and the water for the flood. It's almost like a tropical place everywhere without the harmful rays of the sun coming through in the way they do today. Notice verse 8. And God called the expanse heaven, the heavens. And there was evening, and there was morning a second day. Here's his conclusion, evening and morning. Now, a person reading this would say, that's the second day. That's two days, because there was an evening and a morning, because there's always the night, the dark, the light and the dark, and it was the second day. And they would assume, by, study, by looking at that, that it's a real day. And I take it in that way. I take it literally. Let me tell you, if I get up there and God says, oh, I didn't mean it literally, I'll go, Why'd you write it that way then? Right? What are you going to say? Well, I just thought y'all would take it as long days. When he says a thousand years in the book of Revelation, remember he said, and he'll rule for a thousand years. Do you think it's a thousand years? You don't think when he's going to get up and he's going to say, I just put a thousand. I didn't really mean that. Right? I just put a thousand eight times in those three verses, four verses, but I didn't mean a thousand. But he said, evening and morning were a day, and a two-day, and a three-day, and a four-day. I didn't really mean those days. I just said that. And 40 years was 40 years, wasn't it? That's right. And, and, and it was 40 years, wasn't it? And did it rain 40 days and 40 nights? It did. How long were they on the ark, you know? A little over a year, 100, yeah. Oh, about a little over a year. We'll see it when we get to those chapters. But they were on the ark for over a year. And it really rained 40 days and 40 nights. 
Unless he didn't mean 40 days and 40 nights, right? See? Does he say what he means? Or does he just fool us? He says what he means. The conclusion. God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning a second day. So that's day number two. Well, let's look at day number three. Now think what we've got. We've got the separation. Basically, there's light and a separation there. Now he's, he's got the waters and he's separated the, the waters and the sky. And now we go to the third day. In the introduction, notice what it says. And God said. Here it is. And here's, here's what he was going to do. Let the waters below the heavens... That's the waters that's on the surface of, of what you call the earth. Be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And notice the command, let it all be gathered in one place. And then here's the results, you might say. And it was so. That's the fulfillment. Now what he did is, you remember, the we'd say the earth was completely covered with water, then the air, and then the cloud covering. And now he says, I'm going to move the waters around so that dry land will appear. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think the land masses, when he made this, are exactly the land masses of today? What did you say? Okay. Why do you say that? Now, I take it when he means gathered in one place. It doesn't mean like, I'm going to all the water right here and the whole rest of it's land. I think he's going to move some things around. But there's a reason that it's not the same, because I think you're right. What about the flood? There was a great catastrophe. In fact, the word for flood is cataclysma, which we get cataclysmic from it. The whole earth changed. The earth blew up, melted, made piles of stuff move this way and that way. I, I don't think it's the same masses we're going to see here just because of the destruction and the movement of the land masses during the flood. So it's, it's a little bit different. I think you're right on, on a lot of the things you're saying. Let the waters below the heavens be gathered in one place and let the dry land appear and it was so. This is the third separation. Um, God gathered the waters together as a heap. Psalm 37, 7 through 9. Psalm 102. I think it's that the land became the foundation of the earth. So God's forming the dry land and the sea. And notice what he goes on and says it this way. He says, let the waters below the heaven be gathered in one place. Let the dry land appear. So, And God called the dry land, what did he call it? Earth. And he called the gathering of the waters, he called seas. It's plural. Seas. Not a sea, but seas. God saw it was good. That's his evaluation. It's good. Do you think most things God does is good? Do you think everything God does is good? Even when bad things happen, you think God's going to work it together for good. That's what he tells us. It's amazing. Watch this. God called the dry land earth. Eretz. That's the key word. That's the word. That's the word land shaping and forming the earth and, and all he's doing all this around. And he called the dry land earth and the gathering the waters he called seas and God saw it was Good. But he's not through. Because you'd think he's fixing to say, well, okay, that's, that's, that's about a wrap for today. Right? But that's not what he says. He's going to do some more things. Then God said, let the earth, 
this dry land that he's got out there now. Sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. Now he started saying, I'm going to make these, this vegetation. There's plants there. And they've got seed with them. And they're going to produce more. And there's going to be fruit trees on the earth. And they're going to bear fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. And the earth brought forth, look what happened, vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind. In other words, one kind makes the next thing. I mean, it's the same thing. So you got, let's say corn makes corn. Wheat makes wheat. Apples make apples. Trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. Notice he didn't plant seeds and let them grow up. He made the plants. You're going to notice something. He he didn't make a seed and then it became a plant. And he didn't take his little baby animal and say, now grow up and be bigger. And when he made man, he didn't make man as a baby. And we're going to talk more about the the perceived age of the world. We'll talk about it in just a second. Notice he created those plants after their kind, meaning they reproduce after themselves. And this is God's plan. The plants and the animals reproduce after self. His evaluation, what was it? Is good. It's good. And here's his conclusion. Verse 13, there was evening and there was morning. What day, you think? Third day. You think it was three days? think that was the third day? Or you think he just meant, ah, it's long, long, long periods of time. I just told you that way because, you know, you wouldn't understand it. That's what some say. This brings us uh, briefly to the age of the earth. John Davies, who writes his book on Paradise to Prison, the book of Genesis, he says, God produced a function, a functioning, mature creation. Plants self-producing. Some state millions and millions of years. You know, I've talked about that there are probably a hundred different uh, methods of dating. And two-thirds of those methods of dating give a young earth. Most people don't believe them. They just say, well, they're obviously off. Let me ask you this question. When God formed a mountain and a tree and a plant, how old did the mountain look when he made it? When he made a tree, how old did that tree look? If you just happened to be there walking by and he said, say, ah, what do you think of that tree? How old is that tree? You went, oh, that tree, that's a, that's a pretty tall tree. Uh, 50 years? No, I just made it. Right? And when he created man and he formed him, how old was he? How old did he look? Tell me, what do you think? How old did he look? Was he the perfect age, 58? I used to say perfect age 36. I don't know what's happened, but it just keeps going up and up and up, right? Let me ask you this. If you were there, if you could have been there and God created Adam, how old did he look? What do you think? Huh? You think a mature man. Would you say 30? I don't know. Well, what do you think? 30? 28? 25? 16? 40? How old did he look? If we could have come right after he was created, we would have said, well, it looks like he's about 25, maybe 30. How old was he? One second old. How old was that mountain? How old did that mountain look? People say, this stuff is millions of years old. How old does it look? 
looks millions of years old. How old is it? We don't know, but it ain't millions of years. I'm going to tell you that. There is a built-in age of this world creation. And when he created a tree, he didn't create a baby tree. He didn't create a seed and wait for it to grow up a hundred years to be that tall. He created it. And if we saw it, we'd say, that tree's got to be a hundred years old. Look how big it is. There is a built-in age of creation. It automatically looks old. So he creates the plants, full-grown plants immediately, able to reproduce. God speaks vegetation as foreign plants and trees, seeds to reproduce after their kind. So these first three days, we have seen the light and the separation there. We've seen the water, the air, the heaven, and we've seen the sea and the dry land and the vegetation. It's first three days. Let's look at day four. We'll have to go just a touch faster. Day four, verse 14. Then God said, here's our introduction. Then God said, let there be lights. Notice plural. Lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. There's the command, lights in the heavens. There's been light already, but now he's making lights in the heavens. He's making something that's going to shine in the sky. He says, verse 15, Let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And he's going to use these lights. Notice what he says. I want them to be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. How do we, how do we figure out what year it is? By what? By the sun. By the, I mean, we look at them. we go, okay, and, look, and we say, what time is it? Well, look, it's about right there. I don't know. It's about 12, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, how do we know all these things? And seasons, by the way the sun and the way it hits the earth and the tilt of the earth and all of these things that he fixed, that seasons and times and years and months and all of these things. And then he just says, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, what do we call that? Sun. And the lesser light to govern the night, what do we call that? Moon. And then he just states, oh, by the way, he made the stars also. Now, we all know that what are stars? They're sons, aren't they? But he, when he wrote this, he wasn't trying to write a whole thing that says, now here's the whole universe. He wrote what would affect the people who read this. And he said, I'm going to make a light for the day and a light for the night, and I'm going to put all those other little stars up in there too. Because see, that's what he told Abraham. When he took Abraham outside of that tent, he said, see those stars? He went, yeah. He said, if you can count them, that's how many kids you're going to have. Two lights. Understand that God's purpose in this revelation is not to tell man about the solar system and the stars and the suns, but to show how these two lights are going to be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and they're the lights to give light on the earth. In verse 17, And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and separate the light from the darkness. And what did God say? It was what? It was good. Psalm 19, the creation gives glory to God. Read those psalms sometimes. Read them and see, see how David or some of the other writers, how they write it, what do they say about it. It's so beautiful. And so he placed the expanse, verse 17, he placed them in the expanse to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from the darkness. God saw it was good. And here's 19. And the evening and the morning were what day? Fourth day. It's four days. We've seen from now on, the sun's going to bring light today. 
Remember, there was light before the sun, but now God's made a little change along this way. God has filled the heavens and the stars. There's really a correlation between day one and day four, day two, and day five, day three, and day six. We'll see it. But like in day one, I think we got, in day one, there was the light, the day and the night. And then in day four, he put the sun and the moon to deal with the day and the light. In day two, we have seen the water and the sky. In day five, we're going to see it in just a minute. He puts the creation for the water and the sky. That's when he creates the animals and the water and the birds. And then day three, which we've seen, that's the land and the vegetation. Well, in day six, that's when he puts the animals and man on the land that deals with the vegetation. We'll see that as we go through it. We won't get to, to the sixth day uh, tonight, but we see it. And there's this whole idea of, of, of days one, two, and three, the formation, and days four through six, filling what he had formed. Well, let's see the fifth day. Is that next? Or is there a day? For, yeah, fifth day. Here's the introduction. And then God said, and here's the command, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heaven. So what he's going to do is he's going to fill up the water and he's going to fill up the sky. And it says, let it be teem. Let means swarm. Let there be all kind of living creatures and animals and fishes and all those kind of things and birds that fly in the air and all the water animals and, and all of that stuff. And he says, let, 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 let it be that way. And so God created the great sea monster. Sea monster just means big, big animals, big animals in the water. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters, with which the waters swarmed after their kind. Now see, there's a key, there's a thing after their kind. That means this whale produces whales. They don't form something else. They don't become something else. See, in the very beginning, there is a creation and a creation order. And he didn't make, and we're going to see it later, he didn't make a dog and say, now one of these days these dogs will become cats. That's not how it works. Dogs make dogs and cats make cats. And monkeys don't make people. It just doesn't happen. I don't care what you're taught. God created the great sea monsters, living creatures that move, that which swarms after their kind, every winged bird after its kind. Birds produce birds. God saw that it was good. That's his evaluation. It's good. Everything's good. There is no evolutionary process happening here. One species is not developing into another species. One kind doesn't become another kind. Each one is producing after its own kind. And here's the command. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So he's going to fill up the water and he's going to fill up the sky. Now he's got one other place to go. Where is that? Water, sky, and the land. And he's going to put animals on the land. And he's going to put people on the land. He's already got the, the, the uh, trees and the plants on the land, but that's what he's going to do. Notice his conclusion. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you so that you don't get confused. Next week is Super Bowl. <laughs> And probably the great passage is next week's where he creates man. And we're going to talk about that. But because most of you are going to be watching the Super Bowl, I know that the youth have their own Super Bowl party and the college have their own Super Bowl party and, and the Awana are not meeting and they're probably having a Super Bowl party. <laughs> so when we meet here, we probably won't do Genesis next week because I don't want you to miss it because I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to go to your Super Bowl party if you want to and have a good time. So we probably won't do Genesis next week. If you come, I guarantee you it's going to be fun. Okay. 
but it probably won't be Genesis. So if you say, gosh, I have a choice here. Do I go Genesis and see the creation of man or Super Bowl? Super Bowl, you know. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, we're not going to do that. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. But that's a good question. Evening and morning, day five. Next time, next time, next time, we'll see it. Okay, what have we seen? The power of God is He speaks, He creates, He forms the world. We see He's a God of order. He presents the different days and the different creation, all of these things. Let's look at application. And the first one is take the time to focus on God. Think about who He is. Worship Him. And we sing these songs, and Stephen gets some tremendous songs, especially tonight when we think about all those different songs about creation and everything. Worship who He is. Uh, God is sovereign. He is overall. And he does what he chooses to do. We are in his hands. He not only shapes us, but he shapes our whole lives as well. He's the sovereign one. Think about this when we think about God. God who created all, everything belongs to him. God who is all-powerful, he can answer any prayer. Think about that. He's all-powerful. Is there anything you could ask him that he couldn't do? That he may not do it. May not be part of the will. May not be part of the plan. But there's anything you could ask him that he couldn't do. Except violate his character. He can't lie. Can't go back on a promise, so he can't violate his character. God who is all wise, all things work for good. It didn't say all things were good, but all things work together for good. God who has a purpose. There's no such thing as fate. He's a sovereign ruler. You never have to say luck. You don't have to say good luck. I hope I have some good luck. There's no such thing as luck. God's in control. He works all things according to the counsel of His will. You don't have to say, I hope something bad doesn't happen to me. If something bad happens to you, it's your perfect, loving God who is bringing something into your life which ultimately would be best for you and best for others and work together for good. I don't understand how it works. I just trust Him, and He never let any of us down one time. God who has order. Things are a certain way, just as He says. And if you look at this, the creation, the way it works, so let's worship God. Take time to focus on Him. Number two is have an understanding of God's plan for creation. Just see how He did it. I mean, as you read this, and I know there are people who deny this, and people look at it different ways, but if you take the Bible from a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation, if you take it for how it's written, this is the only way you can take it. You can change it, but it's the way you can take it. See the Scripture. Understand the evenings and the mornings and the days. Be ready to deal with the issues of creation. There are going to be people that say, no, evolution. Well... The Bible doesn't teach evolution. If you hold the Scripture, you're going to have to be able to defend the aspect of creation. And God said that He brought it into being. There's no evolutionary process there. It never says that. It says things are made after their kind. We'll see that. May we understand God's act of creation. May we worship our great God for who He is and what He's done. We'll pray. And I know we're a little bit over, but we'll open it up for any questions you might have. Let's... Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the passage. And Lord, as we see the creation, as you, you speak it into being, you command it, it is so, and then it is good, and it, everything comes about just like you say. And then you said, and then that's another day. Thank you, Lord, that you give to us in your revelation what you did. Lord, we know that, that, that nobody can go back to figure it out. Nobody can even set up an experiment to figure it out. And we know, Lord, that we go because we have your revelation, which you have given to us, which is perfect and true that we can go back and see what you tell us happened. And Lord, even though we don't understand everything, we trust you. And when you say this is what happened on certain days, we believe you. 
So, Lord, help us as we are ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us. May we take our time to focus on you for who you are and what you have done. And may we have an understanding of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.